This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen, buddy murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin. So let's get rowdy and reckless. Let's get rowdy and reckless. Let's Hello and welcome to another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society and brought to you by Deadeye Barbecue Sauce, the best damn barbecue sauce in the known universe. You can find them on the web at deadeyebbq.com. Please find us at thetailgatesociety.com. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? Doing great. Doing wonderful. How are you guys? Uh, I am I am hanging in there. It's it's been uh, uh, two years this past week, but I think <laughs> I think things are going well. Yeah. Um, you know what, Chris? What I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce because we have a very special guest this week. So, Chris, I'll go ahead and let you introduce our special guest. We do uh, tonight. Uh, we are joined by former NFL lineman Marcus Sullivan, played for the. Uh, New England Patriots, drafted by the Buffalo Bills, played for the Giants for a little bit. Uh, he's going to come on, talk about his career, talk about what it's like to be a former NFL uh, player, some of the things that he's going through there, and what he's doing now. So, Marcus, welcome to Old Man Strength. We really appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Should also point out former Illini, right? Yep. So I, that's right. Yeah. Half our audience will hate you, I would imagine. The other half <laughs> will love you because you played against Iowa. Tim and I are Iowa State grads, so we're happy to have anybody on here that may have bashed in a few Hawkeyes for us. We appreciate it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And you are originally from the, the Chicago area, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. All right. Awesome. Um, well, good, because uh, Chris is a Bears fan, so I'm sure he'll have plenty of of questions about just what the hell is going on with the bears um uh, i'll need talked off the ledge later yeah absolutely <laughs> well good well thank you marcus for joining us we very much appreciate you you being on the pod uh we man we have a whole lot of things that i think that, that we could we could ask you but you know i think i want to just start off with uh uh how have you been what what have you been doing lately uh, so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm semi-retired, um, but I, uh, also, uh, own a few businesses. Um, my primary business is Midwest Prep Sports Academy. It's a post-grad, post-grad and club football program. Uh, we take high school seniors and also, um, graduated football players, high school football players that essentially would like another year of development before they go to college in hopes of them securing uh, more scholarship opportunities or more college uh, offer opportunities. So, um, you know, we recognize a lot of these guys aren't ready 
fully developed or academically eligible before they go to college. And we sent, we serve as essentially a gap year for them to kind of get their stuff together, get their bodies right, get their grades right. And then off to college, the more prepared student athlete. Oh, fantastic. So I've been doing that. And uh, I also, uh, my wife and I uh, own an agency within the Health Alliance Network. Um, essentially what we provide are low cost healthcare plans uh, via telemedicine. So essentially one would have access to a doctor 24 seven via an app on their phone um, in case, uh, you know, something arises. Uh, it doesn't cover ma- major medical, but you know, if you need to see a doctor for any, for any reason and you essentially can't get to a doctor's office or, you know, obviously in COVID, um, you know, it's hard to get to a doctor's office. Uh, and, you know, who wants to sit in an emergency room or, you know, sit in a, a waiting area, you know, when you could potentially be at a risk of COVID. So, you know, you can essentially, it, I, I compare it to, you know, Uber, the Uber of doctors. You oh, know, so. Yeah, sure. I, I like yeah. that analogy. I, I think that's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah, absolutely. During this pandemic, I think that's, that's probably very much an essential need that has probably gone underserved because yeah. so many people have been so focused on, on, you know, rightly so, uh, uh, what is going on, but there's still a lot of other medical needs. Certainly, you know, one of the costs that maybe we haven't talked about with this pandemic is, is people not getting the treatment that maybe they need for other related Ill, Ill, illnesses or medical issues just because there have been, you know, hospitals and emergency rooms and whatnot have been so overrun. So I think that's, that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It covers uh, medical, urgent care, um, psychology, it covers dermatology. So, you know, a number of services that people just may not be able to get to a doctor. And um, you know, there's 30 million Americans that are currently not have any type of health or health care health insurance. So, you know, we're trying to fill that gap for those that need it. Especially now with with the assault on healthcare and 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 what's going on in Congress, I would imagine that that's that's probably something extremely needed. Uh, what what kind of drew you into that? Well, I was only I was on the the other end of that. You know, um, the NFL kicks you off of in uh, their insurance after five years, and you know there was a gap that you know myself and my family were in limbo. You know, kind of paying out of pocket. You know major dollars for out-of-pocket doctor's visits and you know you can uh you know with our plan you can get access to a doctor um you know from 15 to 45 dollars a month and it covers up to 10 people in your household and your family so um you know even when i back when i was a coach back in the day um you know coaching at um small small college and then also um high schools back in the day um you know, they don't give those guys any type of health care insurance if you're an assistant coach, you know, so if something happens on the field, you know, if, you're, if your wife doesn't have any medical insurance, you know, you're kind of you're kind of screwed. So, um, like I said, I, I've been through it and, you know, I certainly didn't appreciate paying astronomical numbers, uh, prices, you know, for out-of-pocket expenses just to see a doctor, you know, so yeah. it's kind of what drew Absolutely. me into it, just trying to, trying to help folks out. Well, it's interesting that that you talk about that because I, I would imagine that the to the average fan uh, and to an average person they would think to themselves, well, that's probably not something you would ever have to worry about. You make so much money, you you know, athletes make all this all this money, 
you guys are set. You wouldn't have to worry about that, but you have just as many real world problems that the rest of them do. So it's interesting that you, that, that, that I'm guessing a lot of people don't realize that. Right. Yeah. I mean, but who wants to pay, you know, who wants to pay hundreds and thousands of dollars for medical insurance? Nobody, you know, I don't care how much money you have, you know? So, um, you know, however you feel about whether the government should be covering that cost, that's obviously your opinion, but, you know, there should be some type of low cost option to see a doctor, you know, you shouldn't have to pay hundreds and thousands of dollars a year, uh, a month, you know, just to see a a doctor, you know, because I mean, you know, the stuff that, you know, generally arises is not major medical, you know, I I haven't had any broken legs, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, um, you know, um, but obviously, you know, you have a cough or you have, uh, you know, headache, uh, pink eye, you know, the little stuff that comes up, you need to see a doctor, but you know, you don't want to pay huge amounts of out-of-pocket expenses to, to do that. So, yeah. And one thing you had mentioned earlier too, uh, psychological care, which I think is probably something that gets yeah underlooked, underappreciated, I think is something that's maybe gotten a little bit more highlighted during the pandemic, but that's one of those things where I think a lot of people don't have access to affordable psychological care for, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, significant issues to even just, I need to be able to talk to someone about X, Y, and Z issue to be able to get my medication updated or any type of those things. So I think that's, that's fantastic as well. Hey, that's exactly right. Yep. Um, uh, the, the psychiatry, um, the um, dermatology, it's, 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 it's super difficult to see a dermatologist. Um, you know, you, you, you're waiting three, four, five, six months out just to see a dermatologist. So yeah. um, I utilized the service a couple of months ago. I saw one, you know, within a 30 minutes. So, um, but yeah, you know, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, that's fantastic. I'm trying to keep busy, but, uh, you know, just trying to stay out of people's way as well. so uh you mentioned preparing kids for you know kind of that gap year, getting prepared for college Mm -hmm. uh tell us a little bit about your process going back to when you were getting ready to move to college what that process looked like and and how you what your recruitment looked like what your preparation looked like yeah i was i was on the uh you know the the um, the more exciting end of the recruiting process, um, you know, back then they called five-star recruits, blue chips. So, you know, I was, uh, you know, ranked pretty high, um, as a rec- I think I was number 16 in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the number three offensive lineman in the country back then. Um, you know, so I had offers everywhere, you know, so I had my pick, but, um, you know, it's a little different uh, from what it is now. Um, you know, I think um, <clears throat> obviously with social media and just more sport outlets, podcasts, all, all that stuff really hypes up, um, the, you know, the, the recruiting world, you know. So with anything, a young person that's getting all that attention, you know, that couldn't that can go to his head, sure. you know, females as well. So um, I remember signing my letter of intent, my letter of intent, you know, it was just me in the room, you know, so <laughs> I, 
I had to go back to class five minutes later. You know, <laughs> there was no big press conference, no, no no television cameras, anything like that around. No, no. Like I said, I was I was number three offensive lineman in the country. You know, yeah, I signed my letter. There was a there was I think there was a newspaper there taking a picture and back to class, <laughs> back to theology one hundred and five. You know, whatever. I was <laughs> yeah, but it's different. You know, I'm happy for the kids. You know, it's. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, they also have to understand that this is just one small step of the process. You know, I, I hope a lot of them don't feel like, you know, once they get that big time offer, you know, they're set, you know, because sure. the, the process just starts from there. You know, um, you know, once you get onto that campus, you're in the meat market. You know, there's five, six other guys just like you and three of them are older than you, you know, so. And those guys certainly don't want you to take their spot. So, um, you know, I think um, if a young guy just goes into the process humble and ready to work and learn from the older guys and kind of keep his head down and, you know, just, uh, you know, work his butt off during the process, you know, he'll be fine, you know. But, but you know, when unfortunately a young person thinks that they're just going to be a hero to recruit, you know, just be celebrated, you know, throughout their four or five years of, of, of college, you know, that's where they make a mistake and, so, um, you know, I, I, I see, I just suggest those guys don't let that go to their head because it really does. It, it, it's a special, you know, for the for that moment. But as you go through the process, you know, you realize that you started all over again, just like you made that transition from eighth grade to high school. Mm-hmm. So, so what over the last 20 years since you kind of went through that process to now working with kids kind of going through that process, what do you think has changed? Um, social media. You know, social media, there's more outlets, you know, just more people covering it, you know. So with with that aspect, um, you know, it's just more it's more sensationalized, more glamorized, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that's the main thing that's that's, um, you know, kind of been. And then also, you know, the ability <laughs> to be able to recruit players all over the world. You know, um, you can literally just send a film link to a coach and, you know, he can get, he can get film from a kid from Australia, you know, Germany, you know, and obviously anywhere in the United States. So, um, you know, and that's good for kids because, you know, I think the kids in the U S need to understand those kids overseas are hungry as well. They want this dream as well, you know? So um, a lot of those kids in Europe and, you know, other countries, you know, they they, they come from areas in a way, you know, more, um, you know, humble, <laughs> you know some of these places in the united states so sure um you know they they want to turn their situations around their family situations around as well so yep well yeah i think that's the main thing you know the, the, just the overall coverage of, of recruiting and in, in, in sports in general and then um you know there's just so much easier to scout players um you know with technology nowadays sure sure no that, that that's a yeah. good point i i hadn't even thought mm-hmm. about that you know, uh, when we were in high school, people were, you know, sending in a VHS tape of yeah. of, of game film, yeah. right? <laughs> no one had a YouTube channel with their with their highlights or anything like that as well. Uh, exactly, were, it was yeah. also not the same way to kind of check up on character or, or any of those types of things as well. So, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yep. I, that's exactly right. I would, I would imagine you um probably have a lot of life lessons there too at the academy too because of what you said about going in you know you're you're kind of a big deal and so on but when you go in there you're you know you're one of three or four guys looking for the same spot 
<clears throat> I would imagine that at some point your instincts to, to work hard and to, uh, to try to, to work even harder kicks in, right? That's probably something you, you talk a lot about with those kids too, right? Yeah. Our head coach, uh, Tyrone Richardson, our, uh, assistant head coach, OC, uh, Mike Blair, um, our linebackers coach, uh, Kenneth Rogers, they do a really good job with our kids. Um, I'm not involved in the coaching like I were, you know, was back in the day, you know, several years ago. But um, those guys do a really good job just kind of giving our kids an introduction to what is college sports, uh, college sports is going to be like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, from day one, they get those guys and, you know, they put them in a meat grinder and, you know, and, uh, you know, they, they, you know, there's, they don't coddle them, you know, they, 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 they treat them like men. Um, and I think the best thing that our kids get out of it is that they get away from home for a little bit. They're able to see how they fend for themselves uh, away from home. You know, when you go to college, I think a lot of these kids, uh, you know, a lot of these kids get homesick because m- many of them haven't been out of the house uh, for a, a long period of time. Sure. And then, you know, when they, you essentially get a kid, you know, that goes across the country, goes to school, you know, and he's never been away from home for a long period of time you know, he gets homesick. You know, I think our academy kind of gives our kids an opportunity to kind of get their feet wet to really see if this college thing is for them. You know, our kids are only with us with three months. You know, this is not a four or five year commitment, mm-hmm. you know, so it gives them an opportunity to see, uh, you know, if they, they really want to grow up, <laughs> you know, because some, some of them don't want to grow up. They, they want to be at home with their mommy and daddy and, you know, that's okay, you know, but you know, they have to understand that's not going to what that's not what's going to get get it done. You know, they won't truly want to be successful college student athletes. So, um, but yeah, it forces our guys to grow up quick. You know, and it also uh, puts their feet to the fire. You know, because we play college teams. You know, we don't yeah. play other prep schools. You know, we play uh, organized college teams. Uh, you know, we play North Central College every year. You know, they just want to. Mm-hmm. Division three national championships, you know, so we play very, very good programs. And, you know, this gives our program gives these guys an opportunity to see what they're really made of, you know, if they think they're college football players. What was the biggest surprise for you when you got on campus? Um, The biggest surprise. um, That's a good question. Um, Yeah. I think I acclimated to my experience. Well, Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't too far from home. Sure. And uh, I think academically I was prepared, um, you know, going to a pretty decent uh, high school. Um, I think the biggest thing is just having, you know, you know, you don't have mom and dad, you know, telling you, you know, they're not over, they're not over their shoulders every day. You're not, they're not telling you to wake up every day to go to school. So, you know, you have to have, a certain level of independence when you go to college, you know, sure. and there's nobody, you know, waking you up or forcing you to go to school. You know, if you don't go to school, you know, you get behind and you get behind, you know, it's going to affect on your grades and your grades is going to definitely affect your playing time. So, and then also you, you know, you, you miss class continuously, you know, coach is going to find out about it and you're going to get, you know, you're going to find out what the, you know, the wrath of the coach is. So, um, I think just being able to adapt to the independence that you get is the biggest was my biggest adjustment in college, and mm-hmm. I think that's a, a, a 
you know, I think that's a, a big uh, adjustment period for most uh, college student athletes that are just, you know, spending their first year out of, away from home. I mean, it's it's a big adjustment for all college students, period. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean. Yeah, true. Chris and I could both tell stories about our newfound freedom and the mistakes that we made. Freedom. And, <laughs> With that. And, yeah. And no parents and. Right. And you bet. So we were so. under the microscope of, of uh, being a part of a D1 program or being a high profile anything. Right. Uh, <laughs> so absolutely. I, I, I get that. I think that's, that's something that probably just gets amplified in your situation for sure. Yeah, I, I absolutely. It certainly does. Yep. So with that, with the, the amount of, um, studying and, and, and ability to learn quickly and on the fly and so on with <clears throat> with being a player what 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 do you typically recommend to kids in high school or college as far as preparation for that or, or classes that they might take that enhance that or whatever did you find any anything that helped you through college prepare you for that or is it just natural for you yeah, no, I, I think you learn, you know, you need to start learning those habits in high school. You know, um, I know a lot of I know a lot of the athletes and I'm I'm guilty of it. You know, we went through high school, you know, thinking that, um, you know, get, just getting by was OK, you know, but you certainly can't have that attitude in, in college. You know, um, you know, if you truly want to be the best at something, you truly want to, um, you know, be able to look back and, you know, feel feel that you accomplished something you know you have to give it your all in everything that you do you know it's just not a situation where you uh, are a great football player and you know you're a below average student you know if you want to be a great football player be great in everything that you do you know being a great student being a great person being a great teammate you know it's just going to help you in the long run develop develop you know um um you know just um different qualities that is going to help you be successful later in life, you know? So, you know, I just tell kids just to, you know, don't take anything for granted, be humble and, you know, try your best, you know, everything that you do, you know, you know, just don't give you all that one thing and then have half ass at the other, you know, time, you know, just work hard and do, you know, the best that you can in everything that you do in life. You have that attitude, you'll be successful. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's something I try to talk to my kids a lot about is um, not being afraid to try. That's, that's a big one for me too, is not Mm -hmm. the the fear of not of failing isn't going to get you anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. So got to try it and got to, got to put yourself out there uh, Mm -hmm. because you're going to regret it in the long run if you don't. So you might as well work at it and try the best, try your best. That's, it sounds cliche, but it's, it's a powerful lesson, I think. Yeah, exactly. Very powerful lesson. So you played under, was it Ron Turner? Is that who you were playing under? Yeah, he was my uh, he was my coach for four years out of the five I was at Novi. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so what kind of what kind of lessons do you think you you got from from him and and his staff? Well, you know, he brought a, uh, you know, kind of a pro attitude to the, to the, uh, to the college, to our, to our college game, you know, sure. um, you know, the, the, the game was much faster than you experienced uh, on the high school level. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And it was no nonsense. You know, it was, um, you know, you do your job, you do it well, and you, and you, 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 you reap the benefits. You don't, um, you know, you'll, you'll become a pariah, (laughs) you know, there's there's absolutely no coddling, Um, you know, Coach Turner was about his business and as, as he should be, you know, and um, I think um, when college uh, incoming college students and the parents understand that this is a business and yeah, college coaching tell you, yeah, I'll take care of your son for four or five years. And, you know, I'll treat him just like my son. That ain't the truth. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to treat you like a damn employee. You know, if you're doing sure. your job, you get rewarded. If you don't, you know, you're going to get, demoted or fired <laughs> so um you know but you know i appreciated that i i always appreciated the hard coaches you know i had bill belichick and you know and uh tom coughlin you know sure. so i've had tough coaches all my yeah. life you know but you appreciate that because you know exactly where you stand you know there, there's no reading between the lines with those guys you know it's do a b a b c d you know if you don't then you better get the heck out of here you know so um you know, if you have tough skin, you can deal with coaches like that. If you need to be coddled and, you know, you need to be, um, you know, you need a player's coach, you know, this, then, you know, you need to go somewhere else. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think I learned more of a pro mentality, uh, you know, from those guys, you know, at least the introduction to a pro mentality, um, you know, when I, when I, had, you know, experienced, you know, was uh, coach Turner. Absolutely. Well, cause he, was he with the, I forget, was he with the Bears organization before or after, or was it both? It was both. It was both, right? Yeah. So, yeah, he definitely yeah. He, he definitely brought that, mm-hmm. that, that pro mentality for sure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, that's fantastic. So is that something I'd that certainly maybe... Take a, no, I'd certainly ahead. take a pro mentality now with the Chicago Bears. That, that would be really great. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after today's press conference. Yeah, it's um, I know a lot of Bears fans didn't want to hear that, but um, you know, it's um, you know when you have a when you have an owner that doesn't have a pro mentality, pro football. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. That's what you get. You know, and I I'll touch on this real quickly, Marcus, because you had said earlier about um, you know assistant coaches and not having a lot of stability and not having a lot of um, well, not stability, but not having. Uh, the ability to get healthcare sometimes after they're fired because they, you know, they're employees and they have, you know, bills just like everybody else and whatever. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I will sit here as a fan and go fire every one of those sons of bitches. They don't know what they're doing and so on and so on. But mm-hmm. what's that like going through for you guys, those coaching staffs, and maybe you get close to your position coach or whatever, and you have a relationship with them and to see that and to see those fans clamor and clamor for a, for a coaching staff to be fired. What's that like on your end to 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 go through and 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 I'm just always I've always been curious as to how that has worked for you guys. Do you guys tune that out or? Yeah, I mean, some guys develop strong relationships with their coaches, but you know, I mean, this is the profession, man. <laughs> you know, players come and go, coaches come and go. You know, so yeah, I mean, yeah, you can get attached to guys, but I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it it may not even be there. Uh, you know, their production, they may be very productive coaches, but, you know, the owner wants to go another direction. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's the business that we are uh, a part of. So again, once you start understanding that, 
you know, the, the feelings kind of go out of the window, you know, it's more, Hey, I, you honestly, you have to take care of your own, you have to take care of your own stuff, you know, your own profession before you start worrying about somebody else. So yeah, you feel bad right. for those guys losing the job, but at the end of the day, you know, your job is to keep your, your you know, keep yourself employed, you know, and, you know, to, to concern yourself with, with, you know, you know, how you're, um, you know, going about your business as your profession. So, um, and the coaches understand that, I believe, you know, and, uh, you know, the good thing about coaches, a lot of those guys find jobs, you know, because, I mean, you think about it, <clears throat> you know, you get cut in the pros, in the NFL, where do you go from there? You know, you can't go, you can't go back to play college. <laughs> you can't go play back to quiet right. school. You know, but if you're a coach, I mean, you can go, you can go, you have a lot of options, to, you know, to be employed, mm-hmm. you know, in the future. You know, yeah, yeah, it may be a demotion just as far as what you're used to, but at least you're be employed. A player, you know, he, you know, other than the Canadian League, you know, I guess, uh, you know, those other leagues, you know, at least a coach can can go make comparable money what he was making. A, a, a guy that, you know, played in the NFL and, you know, he gets, you know, he's not able to play in the NFL, but he can still play, you know, that's a huge hit for him financially. So, mm-hmm. um you know, sure. Coaches are fine, man. <laughs> okay, so, so what you're saying is, is I'm totally, I'm totally allowed to call coaches. for coaches fired. Yeah, you don't see too many coaches get fired and then have to retire from coaching, right? Okay. So, I appreciate man. it. Then I feel much better. Then all right, because I got kicked off of Twitter three weeks ago because Matt Nagy threw Khalil Mack under the bus, and I said that he should go punch him right in the face for throwing the whole defense under the bus, but. <laughs> Apparently that's frowned upon. And, uh, Coach, Coach Nagy has some questionable, um, you know, uh, character. <laughs> in my opinion, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, you don't you don't do a lot of the things he does. I don't know the guy. You know, we're the same age, but you know, I put myself in his shoes. You know, it, 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 at the end of the day, whatever happens with your team is your responsibility. You know, yes, he plays right. defense. But he's still your player. You are the head coach. And I think that's the unfortunate problem with the NFL going to all these offensive gurus. You know, that's what they do. They call plays, you know, just Mm -hmm. to think that a a guy that's good at playing uh, uh, play calling is going to be a good manager of an entire team. That's the owner's fault. (laughs) Right. You know, the, the, the people that hired him, you know, so. I personally would look into, um, you know, even position coaches that are excellent position coaches, you know, to be head coaches. I don't, I personally don't feel you need to be a coordinator to be a head coach at all. Um, you need to find a good leader of men and someone that understands building culture and how to, um, you know, to get the most out of players, um, not just calling plays. So. I'm, I'm glad you said that. That's one of those things that I've always wondered is that to me, it seems like, who I want to be my head coach is someone who's going to be a leader and a manager and not a, not necessarily a tactician, not necessarily a strategy guy, but yeah. more someone who can inspire the team towards a goal and can be more of that. Is that different between like the specialist and the manager? And a lot of times to me, a lot of these coordinators are specialists. They're not managers, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I think, uh, like I said, NFL really, um, in the last five, six years, really caught that wave of, you know, getting these young, 
offensive gurus, quote gurus, and uh, you know the, <laughs> they they basically gave him head coach jobs, you know. Um, but again, you know, in, in my experience, you know, you know, with with the game, um, coach play, the players don't care, you know, what what kind of you know, you know, what you've done in the past with play calling, you know, they yep. want somebody that's going to go to war with them, you know, is going to take the bruises when, you know, uh, a team gets roughed up, but it's also going to be a guy that's going to be able to lead, uh, you know, can lead, lead the men in the battle, you know, so, you know, some guy that's a uh, guy that they can really, um, you know, appreciate and respect and follow, um, you know, that that's ultimate, um, you know, the, um, you know, person that I, I personally look up to, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I, and I, you know, I know it may be kind of, um, you know, I personally think defensive coordinators make better home coaches, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, so I feel you need to get you a, a damn good defensive coordinator and then, you know, get, just get you a number crunching, uh, you know, offensive coordinator, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I think those guys work out really well. So, so you've talked, you know, a lot about how this is at the end of the day, a business, right? So, you know, you might be close to a coach, but you also, you know, nothing's guaranteed to you either. So it's not like you're going to be uh, overly concerned about what's guaranteed to a coach if it's not guaranteed to you, but you've, you know, you've played under some, some pretty incredible names, like you mentioned earlier, you know, someone like a like a Bill Belichick. Um, how much of a relationship are you really developing with these coaches? Then, if you know you're, you want them to rally you. You want to rally behind them. You want to, for all the hyperbole it is, you want to go to war with these guys. What is that relationship like, really? Yeah, you're not really developing a relationship with the head coach. More with your position coach. Obviously, if you when you go through the years, you know the more years that you're air, you're there, you're going to have a build a better, you know, more relationship with the with the head coach. But you know, your 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 main contact person is your position coach. You know, if you don't respect him, then you know everything goes down the drain. But again, a head coach hires these guys, so right. you know they have to find people that you know these uh, the players can respect and you know learn from, and. Um, you know, but that, that's generally the the person that a player would be most connected to in your position coach and your coordinator and then the head coach. So, um, so yeah, I mean, with Coach, with coach Belichick and Coach Coughlin, you know, n- nobody was really buddy-buddy with them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you expected that they were great generals, you know, they, they, were, yeah. they were leaders, you know, you, you know, they, they were no nonsense, you know, you knew exactly where you stood with these guys and, you know, you know that you know uh, you knew the expectations that they had. If you met them, then you move on. If you didn't, then you get left behind. That's that's how it is. Yeah. How do you think um, since you played early two thousands to now? What, what do you think are some of the biggest changes in, in the league since you were drafted in one? Yeah, I think the game's a little faster, you know, just as far as the ball, moving, movement of the ball. I think, uh, you know, players are faster in general, you know, and this comes with just, um, you know, how players are trained, um, you know, players paying more attention to their diet. You know, it's, it's it, you know, science, sports science is increasingly getting better and better. And, uh, you know, when you have, uh, uh, you know, a uh, you know, when you have a better trained athlete, you have a better performing athlete. So. Um, 
I don't want to say uh, players are softer. You know, I think they're they're smarter in that they know, you know, when to, um, you know, kind of uh, take it easy on their body. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, you know, you don't want to be, uh, you know, eating out of a, <laughs> eating out of a, you know, a, a straw yeah. uh, when you get older. You know, so I, I think what's great about the young players, they identified that, you know, hey, I made a, enough money, you know, Andrew Luck, a lot of these guys, uh, Luke, Luke Keekley, you know, guys that said, hey, I made enough money, you know, I'm not going to keep beating my body up to the ground, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, so, I, yeah. yeah okay. I have the utmost respect for, for Andrew Luck. I know a lot of fans kind of pan him, but man, I, you're kind of silly to not walk away with all of that money that he made and yeah. still have, you know, everything going right upstairs with him. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of those things that maybe we kind of want to talk about a little bit more is, you know, you said you don't want to call them soft but at the same time. It's, it's people that are, are more cognizant of the, the long-term health effects. I think there used yeah. to be a mentality of, here's what I need to do. I need to put on X number of pounds so that I can be the right quote unquote weight for my role, not necessarily the most agile for my role, or I need to put my, my body through X, Y, and Z because this is what I do and the future repercussions be damned. But I think particularly with your generation of players that kind of came through, you started to see a shift where people started to realize, well, hold up, hold up. I, I want to give my all and I'm willing to take my, my lumps and my bruises and all of that, but I need to be able to walk without assistance past the age of 50. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I need to be able to shake someone's hand properly. Yep. Those types of things. Or I need to worry about my weights or my heart or those types yep. of things. Right. Exactly. Um, so, and, and that's something that, you know, I follow you on Twitter that you've kind of been outspoken about, um, about <clears throat> the kind of the holistic health, not just like, here's my ideal plane, but here's like, here's how I can maximize being a good player, but still maximize my health overall. Yep. So, so tell me like, what, what maybe, what inspired you to kind of focus on that or, or what are the things that maybe you kind of went through through your journey as a player that made you, you more cognizant of that? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been uh, big all my life, you know, and um, once I stopped playing, um, you know, the weight significantly increased, um, you know, just my um, activity levels decreased. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself a overheater or a huge eater. That's just the activity levels um, and decrease and, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the effects of, you know, all that pounding on your body you know, t takes effect and the older you get, you know, the, you know, the more your body hurts and the less that you want to do, you know, so, um, you know, I, I think the, the bit, the, the, the first start is just to recognize that you have a weight problem and, you know, kind of seek out help to get that under control. You know, the good thing for me is I, I don't have any, um, I don't have any, uh, you know, heart issues or cholesterol issues. So, you know, thank God for that. So, um, you know, but <clears throat> the weight definitely needs to come down quite significantly for me. And, you know, all I'm trying to do is just, you know, it seems like athletes, uh, you know, these, uh, these kids are getting bigger and bigger. I mean, I'm seeing eighth graders that are six, seven, 350 pounds. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so it's, I, I don't want kids to, 
to, you know, to be in worse shape than I am, you know, at my age, I'm only 14, but, you know, I, I feel like I'm 60 some days, you know, so yeah. uh, I don't want kids to go through that. You know, there, there's too much evidence, too many people that, you know, kind of advocate for not getting that big and, you know, kind of advocate for, you know, having a healthy lifestyle for uh, a kid to, keep, to continue to follow in, you know, our footsteps. And, you know, the game's fast and it's, the game's all about speed now, you know, when, when I played, you know, I mean, we ran the ball 75% of the time, you know, in some instances. So, um, you know, you would have a bigger player, you know, to run the ball. But, you know, a lot of these guys, are, you know, don't need to be that big, you know, with a lot of these passing offenses. And, you know, um, you know the game's built around speed now, you know, primarily speed. So, um, you know, you don't have to be as big as you were before. So. You know, you being a 16-year-old kid that's 350 pounds, you know, that that's not going to do anything for you in the future. So um, I personally think they need to do weight limits in, in football, just like they do in high school, in high school wrestling, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of force these kids to keep their weight under control, um, you know, but that's not the case. You know, they they these coaches, you know, brag about these kids being huge. You know, and they, they try to get the, oh, look at this kid. This kid's big. He should be a Division One offer kid. You know, but what they should be saying, you know, yeah, maybe we should let this kid know that, yeah, you got some talent, but at the end of the day, you don't want to be, you know, 450 pounds, 500 pounds, you know, at the age of 50 years old, you know, and might not be living much longer. So, um, you know, that, 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 that you know, I, I'm certainly, uh, <laughs> you know, having my struggles every day, you know, with weight loss, but, you know, um, I'm taking it day by day. You know, trying to eat better, trying to be more active. Um, you know, and I, I just hope that our young, younger generation, you know, takes steps to not get their weight situation out of control when they get a little older in life. The, you know, that's that's something that struck me during the national championship game uh, this this past Monday because I don't know how many times they focused in on an Alabama offensive lineman, and the first thing they said was that's the biggest man I've ever seen. Or they, they, the first thing they remarked on was his size or his weight. Uh, mm-hmm. But then you look at that offense that Alabama had that, that, uh, that, you know, they're running. They didn't necessarily need that. That ball is getting out of the pocket awfully quick. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and so it seemed like there was almost kind of this disconnect. Like they wanted to have this bigger, stronger, tougher football, Um but when you're running kind of this lean kind of fast offense, it did, it concerned me because I would look at some of those players and think, you know, there's some, some troubles down the road for those guys too. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. Um, you know, but I mean, it's working for Nick Saban, you know, I just hope that they're having those conversations with those guys, you know, um, you know, and a lot of times, you know, when you're an athlete, you know, playing athlete, you have to look at body fat as well. You know, if you're 340 pounds, but only, 18% body fat, you're doing pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. so, but, um, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I truly hope that they're having those conversations, you know, when you guys stop playing, you really need to concentrate on, you know, cutting the weight up as much as you can. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that they're doing that. So Chris, you, oh. you someone who've been open about your, your weight loss journey on here. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I was just going to say to Marcus, that was part of what, engaged me to, to reach out to you was, was the tweet that you had put out about, you know, hoping that these kids understood that they didn't have to be 
300 plus pounds to play offensive linemen and so on. And a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, I mean, I, I clearly am not an athlete, never was. Um, but I think the mentality uh, or the mental aspect of, of being healthy and, and weight loss is a huge thing for everybody. You mm-hmm. still sometimes, I probably still in your mind are eating like you're playing in the NFL, um, but your body just isn't responding to that, right? And I, and it's kind of the same thing with me. I, I would, I would be the same way. I would think that I'm eating healthier or whatever, but the, but I wasn't moving as much, and I wasn't. It, there's just, there's a whole. Even when I was at my lowest, I, I mean, at one point I was 460 pounds, and at one point I got all the way down to 200 pounds. But mm. in my mind, when I was 210 pounds, I was still 400 pounds. Mm. I, I, you know, it was still hard for me to wrap my head around that. And mentally you have to get past that and, mm-hmm. you, and you have to get past sometimes I think of being afraid to eat. I, uh, this, uh, I, I go to a sports nutritionist here in town who uh, does all the sports nutritionists for um, a couple of local colleges for their wrestling teams mm-hmm. and is doing a lot of stuff for their high school wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And I've learned so much more about sports science and what to put into my body. And the fact that, there, I, I can't eat. I mean, I, I probably eat almost 25. No, I eat about 2,900 calories a day, mm-hmm. but the amount of exercise and stuff that I do, my body fat percentage is going down. So it's a mental thing more than anything. I mean, there'll be times where I'll sit down and I'll go, I should not be eating all of this, mm-hmm. but as long as I'm making the right choice and eating what I should be eating and in the proper amounts, I can be satisfied and then still have results. And I think that's the hardest disconnect for people. Don't you think? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, but again, my, my biggest thing is just the uh, you know, the sedentary lifestyle, just, um, you know, being able to, um, you know, get out and be active on a regular basis. And it's, you know, when you live in cold weather states, it's difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and obviously in the midst of COVID, you know, um, and, you know for you are in, uh, you know, California, New York, Illinois, you know, those states that have basically shut down for the for two years. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, you know, you uh you don't have any motivation to, you know, do do like I got a the home gym set up, you know, you you're sitting at home doing nothing and you know, you you know, you eat what you're not supposed to eat and for a second, you know, for a couple of minutes you feel yeah. good, but then you go right back to feeling like crap, you know. So um it, it's been ex- extremely tough during these COVID times um you know because I was doing very good um in 2019 um actually well 2019 early 2020 doing very good I was down 50 pounds but COVID hit and you get you know shut in the house and can't go anywhere can't yeah. go you know it was difficult for me and I'm sure you know yeah. for, for most people it was yeah I I had um just in personal experience, I, I was doing uh, a kickboxing regiment every day. And then when they shut down here for, I think we were shut down for three or four months, there was no gyms open or whatever else that was right. really hard. And it, and it was, it, you would think that it would be easier. Well, I don't have to go anywhere. I can just do it right here in my home. They did online classes and everything else. It was really hard to, to motivate myself to yep. do that. Yep. Whereas I, I just have a process. Now I get up early in the morning, I go to the gym, I get it done. I, and you always feel so much better afterwards, but I'm with you. It, it's extremely hard to do when you're, when you're sedentary and when there's, when there, when there's, you know, no options to go out and do anything the, the pandemic has not helped in that manner at all. 
So exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's been it's it's been tough on everybody. Yep. So you had mentioned about how the sports science has gotten a lot better and a lot of these athletes have, you know, you know, way more focus on their diet and their workout regimen and all of that. Uh, it has to be one of those things that from how you worked out 20 years ago when you were just entering college to now you're seeing the behavior. It's not just the behavior and the attitude, but it's everything else, right? That goes into your total fitness and your total approach to, to a healthy lifestyle. I, I'd imagine you've evolved and changed a lot of, of how you approach that, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not an athlete anymore, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, even, you know, just from, uh, you know, day to day, um, meal choices you know you know when you're younger you can eat 30 wings but now you know <laughs> you know you eat 10 and you know they're baked or you know you just don't eat them at all you know you and um i think also what helps is you know the evolution of um you know more plant-based diets you know i think that that's uh certainly help you have a lot of evidence and athletes that have gone plant-based and you know have uh you know made tremendous gains for themselves so um, you know, there's just a lot of data, a lot of information out there, you know, just as far as, you know, uh, helping athletes evolve and be better, better, uh, you know, better, um, you know, give them an opportunity to be, um, you know, um, to give their best performances on the field. So, sure. um, and I think, um, I, I, I think that younger athletes are starting to pick up on that as well. So you see a lot of that trickling down to the college level as well. Um, I think these college programs are doing a very good job of, uh, you know, creating nutritious uh, centers and, you know, cafeterias for the athletes, you know, because that was the biggest thing for me is the diet, you know. Um, yeah, you work out all day. You know how to work out hard. You know, you give it your all, you know, running, lifting. But the diet was the, was the one thing that I had to kind of realize that that was the next step in becoming a peak uh, athlete. You know, to, to to get the most out of your body as far as athlete, that was the diet. Is there something that you would say maybe to an eighteen year old kid that you wish someone would have said to you to kind of maybe prepare you for that? Yeah, I can say that, but they ain't gonna listen. You can you can tell an eighteen year old kid every you can give them a freaking blueprint, a map, a bible, and exactly A to Z what they need to do. To, you know, when it comes to diet, kids are going to eat whatever the hell they want to eat because, you know, they their metabolism is so crazy high, you know, they, sure. can, they can eat what they want to eat. And, and you know, even, right. you know, the athletes that are drinking, you know, these guys can go out and drink all night and then get up the next morning and, you know, you know, do what they need to do, when, you know, as far as their daily workout. So you, you just have to experience it for yourself, you know, these kids, you know. Uh, you know, there's old saying, fat meat, you know, fat meat ain't greasy. So, you know, <laughs> don't believe fat, meat, and greasy. You know, they have to experience for themselves. They have to really see the benefits of, you know, uh, you know, changing their habits. And once they do, um, you know, hopefully they stick to it. So, but yeah, I mean, kids are going to be kids, man. You know, yeah, we did the same crap when we were kids. You know, people would tell us exactly what we needed to do. We didn't listen. So, oh, no. Well, oh, okay. no, man. No, no. 
I'm in my forties. I still don't listen. So right. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> ask my wife. My my wife tells me every day I don't listen. So yeah. Well, like I said, you can tell these kids. It's a, you know the, that's the frustration with coaches. You know, you you tell these kids hey, you got to do this, this, and this, and this, and you know they only do one of you know eight things you need to tell them. So, but uh, you know that's why there's not a lot of uh, you know elite athletes out there. So. <laughs> You know, it's yeah, um, no. the ones that stay disciplined and the ones that really, really buy into, you know, everything they need to do to be a peak performer. Those are the ones that you see making millions and, you know, multi-million, you know, half a billion dollar deals. Yeah, no kidding. I I, I got a question. I got to lighten it up a little bit here because uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned wings. And somebody asked me, since they were born and raised in Buffalo, they want to know what your favorite spot was for wings in Buffalo. Honestly, man, Chicago's got way better wings than Buffalo. Buffalo just originated the wings. Um, somebody was telling me about a spot in, uh, that Josh Allen likes to go to. I forgot the name of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I really couldn't give you a go-to spot in Buffalo. Um Funny thing is, the first place I went when I got out, you know, I, you know, when I got drafted, I was driving up to Buffalo from Chicago. First place I went was the Anchor Bar to really see if they wings were, you know, all of that, you know, since it was the original, you know, the original location of wings. And I, I ate them. I was like, man, this ain't nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I got Chicago are way better than this, but uh, yeah, we have to talk to a, a native Buffalonian about that, man. I, you know, I. Uh, I personally like Lenovo, <laughs> you know, that the, the late night spot <laughs> pizza and wings. Um, Duff's is really good too. That's pretty good. But yeah, like I said, there's a one spot I forgot the name of it. Everybody raves about, um, you know, hopefully I'll be able to remember by the time this is over, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, our listeners want the hard hitting information where the best wings are. <laughs> so yeah. The other thing I got to ask you is, is, uh, and I'm a I'm a huge football fan. I've, I've I've been a football fan for as long as I can remember. But this whole Bills Mafia thing, I don't recall this at all being a thing until just here recently. Were they, were they always this crazy then, back then, or is this just now because of social media? It's more out there now. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, the Bills Mafia back in the day when I was there, that wasn't even a thing. It was. Uh... You know, that was more like the after the the 2010s, you know, that that whole crew. But uh, the fans have always been crazy like that. That ain't nothing new. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I said, they're, they're getting more attention. But, yeah, Buffalo fans are the wildest fans in the NFL. And they're great, though. You know, very, very nice, you know, super supportive of the Bills. Uh, but, yeah, they've always been doing that, that uh, you know, the, uh, the table diving thing, man. <laughs> That's just See, I, do. I don't. I don't, I don't get that at all. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. you know, when you live in Buffalo, I would imagine that. So Greg Williams, the coach up there, he, he was a defensive coordinator, right? Uh, for the longest time, but he was your coach up there or not? No, no. Wade was uh, before uh, Greg Williams. Oh, okay. My coach, okay. Greg Williams and uh, Mike Malarkey. Wade, uh, Wade Phillips, right? Wait, yeah, Wade Phillips. I'm sorry. Yeah, did I say yeah. what did I? So that, that's all right. <laughs> you, you might have said that. I don't know. I wasn't really. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't hear very well. Wade yeah. Phillips. Uh, I, that's 
that every job that he's went to as a defensive coordinator, I think he has killed it. And there's been several times that I've wished that Chicago has hired him. So, yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. like I said, we could have a whole separate uh, discussion on the Bears, man. That's just, you know, I mean, oh God, it's just. I personally, I personally wish Mark Cuban would just would just write a check and just get them in the oh cast. My God. <laughs> it'd be so great. I'd, it'd be so great. I'd be but so ecstatic. Yeah, you did. You, you stabbed me in the heart today, though, Marcus, when you said we want that we should trade Mac. I about about lost my about lost. It. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with him. He's a still a great player. No, for the but, trade. Like I said, I, I was telling people back in the day they need to get rid of not well, trade Devin Hester when he had, you know, he would have peak trade value. You know, it's, right. it's all. I'm thinking it from a GM standpoint, man. I'm not thinking it from a fan standpoint. And I know that's hard to do, but, you know, the Bears need a few more pieces. And, you know, people just figured right. out Khalil Mack, man. You know, they, they figured him out. You know, he just he needs a change of scenery. You know, he's a guy that can just go to team to team and, you know, and, and be, you know, go to different conferences. And, you know, guys won't know him, you know, be able to prepare for him for a few years. So he can go, you know, to like a Cleveland or somewhere like that. You know, get 12, 15 sacks his first couple of years, but again, eventually figure him out and then he's got to move on somewhere. But I mean, you know, Khalil's, you know, not a spring chicken anymore. What is he, late 20s, early, late 20s now? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he's got maybe four or five uh, years of, you know, peak performance in him before. I mean, you know, at this point, it can't get any worse. Yeah. At this point, I, it can't get any worse. Yeah. I, can't, I can't stand, a, I can't watch him. It's, it's torture every Sunday to watch him. It's, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they and I, I put a lot of that on D coordinator, man. You know, um, what's his name? Uh, Fangi, what's his name? Fan Pagano. Pagano, Pagano just left, but yeah, Vic Fangio was they should have, they should have threw the bank at that guy to keep him. Well, they, they should have made him the damn head coach. That's what they should have done. Yes. You know, no, I agree. You know, that's what they should have done. I mean, what works in Chicago is a strong defense and, you know, offense that doesn't screw, it doesn't give the ball up. You know, that's what we've been working in Chicago for years. And, you know, to to go to an unproven guy in Nagy just because he coached Patrick Mahomes, it's like, how are you going to go get the guy that coached Patrick Holmes and you didn't even want to draft Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, or Watson. McCaskey's the, 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 the I was on record. Yeah, man. She, the McCaskies are the number one problem with the with the uh, the bear, and number two was the D coordinator. He's just he's not aggressive yeah. like uh, Fed, you know, the other guy was. Nope. <clears throat> so I would have know. liked to have seen him take a run on Ron Rivera last year too. Yeah, like I said, D coordinators make the best head coaches, man. So um, you know, you look throughout history, you know, prove me wrong, you know. So. Um, yeah, you got to go with a guy that's a stud defensive coordinator that's no nonsense, and, you know, that that the guys respect. That's that make the best head coaches. It also blows my yep. mind that there are a lot of of again, particularly defensive coordinators, but there are just a lot of uh coordinators in the NFL right now that were very successful head coaches for a number of years that are now sitting here kind of languishing and we're, you know, throwing flyers on guys like Matt, Patricia or Nagy or whoever that you're like, but there's already proven entities out there. I, I, I just get lost whenever I see some of that stuff. Yeah. They're going with the new, the, the new breed, man. They're going with the guys in their thirties and early forties. 
you know, that's great for them, but you know, it's it has it proven to work? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Andy Reid and Bill Belichick are still the top coaches in the league, you know, because right. in their 60s. So, you know, the uh, the McVeighs and the, the Naggies and the, you know, the guy in Green Bay, he's just he's just got Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you know, he ain't doing right. nothing special right. out there. Right. You know, he's another younger guy. He's around my age. So, um, but yeah, you know, you got guys that are, you know, it's, you know, but uh, it, it's time for you know it's it's time for to give those younger guys an opportunity. So you know, nothing against that, but you know they're going to have to start doing something here. You know, they're going to have to start winning some you know big games. You know, sure. not just you know you know just be known for their uh, you know for their innovative play calling. What what is it like watching these games? So you know, it's one thing for like Chris and I to sit here watching these games on our couch on a Sunday afternoon who, you know, never uh, played a second of football, maybe even, you know, in high school. Or two weeks at, in high school. Right? Exactly. I played, so, I, like, what I played is it, two weeks in high school. And... What is it like to be sitting there? Are, are you paying attention kind of the same way or do you have like a different perspective on how you watch these games uh, on a Sunday afternoon? Yeah, man, I think ESPN has like all 22 uh, camera that they take out ESPN three or four, one of the numbers ESPNs. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, it, it's basically the coach's copy of the film. You know, there's oh, no yeah. annoying yeah. announcers. There's no, you know, that's the best way to watch a game, you know, just from a, a former player standpoint, you know, because you're like back in the film room and you can really break down the film without the distractions of, uh, you know, annoying announcers, you know, it all announces sports commentators. So um, yeah, that, that's my favorite way to watch it. Um, I think, um, you know, NFL network has an option to do that as well. It's pretty cool, but uh, yeah, man, it's, um, <clears throat> it's all the entertainment value, you know, they, they have to make these games a spectacle and um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that's what brings the money in, man. I mean, that's why NFL is the, you know, the number one league in the, in the, in the world, you know, so it is what it is. It has to entertain their fans. Well, so speaking of fans, um, mm-hmm. we did reach out to our fans, all three of them on, on Twitter here and ask, <laughs> <laughs> ask what questions they wanted to, to ask of you. Okay. Uh Chris, I don't know if you had some in particular that you wanted to pull out. I got a list here. Yeah. Uh, Start with this one. What is the one common myth about your profession or uh, that you want to debunk or you think you want to tell people is bullshit? Ooh, the one common myth. Um, Guys are actually really smart, man. You know, there's some really brilliant guys that play. And those are the guys that – a lot of those guys play the long, have the longest careers. Mm-hmm. You know, one, they're smart enough to understand, you know, the things they shouldn't be doing, you know, getting into that gets them in trouble or, you know, wasting their money, you know. But, uh, you know, these are real students of the game. And the NFL is not comprised of just the, the stud athletes. A lot of these guys are just blue go- blue collar guys that, you know, had average college careers but got onto the NFL team and, you know, made the most of their opportunity. There's a lot of guys in the NFL like that. So, um, you know, you don't hear about them because, I mean, they may be the backup, uh, you know, linebacker, the backup safety. But, you know, these guys still play six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, you know, um, you know, you know, 
being, uh, you know, solid special teams guys. You see a lot of guys that make careers out of special team play. And, um, you know, they're just guys that are disciplined and smart. And, um, you know, so football players, uh, you know, if you make it to the NFL, you're, you're not a dummy. You're not, you know. Yeah, you may make dumb decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, being a dummy in your personal life and being a dummy in your professional <laughs> life are two different things. <laughs> uh, right. Um, the whole dumb jock theory is, is it needs to go out of the window, man, because a lot of these guys are brilliant. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, that's why they uh, have been so successful in life. Well, yeah, I mean, be, the ability to memorize a playbook, the ability to be out, you know, you know, random guy on the defensive secondary is looking there, looking at, at how the offense is lined up, and he's diagnosing what play is drawn up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that that takes a whole different kind of right. level of cognitive ability that I don't think gets enough credit, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of these you know guys that were four or five-star guys really just got by with their athleticism. You know, they, they, can't, they can't read a defense. You know, some shit. Some can't even read. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, they can't read a defense. They can't even read a book. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's, that's 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 unfortunately true. You do get guys that you know have been stud athletes, and unfortunately, you know, their you know their upbringing has failed them. You know, and their school systems have failed them. You know, and uh, it's not their fault. But you know, you get a lot of guys that are gifted. You know by the Lord's grace, you know, with every athletic ability in the world, but, you know, they, they only play, you know, one year or they, they don't make it to the NFL at all because, sure. you know, just, you know, they, they can't understand the, um, not only the X and O's part, but also just being the, uh, being a professional, you know, sure. guys get into trouble, guys fail out of school, you know, guys messing with, uh, you know, you know, getting, being too promiscuous with women. You know, so unfortunately, you got a lot of guys that were more talented than, you know, a uh, Odell Beckham, more talented than Aaron Rodgers or what, you know, or uh, Deshaun Watson. But whatever reason, you know, they're, 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 they're um, <clears throat> you know, their um, immaturity just, just um, got in the way. Mm-hmm. You know, Growing up, and you you talk about having a a, dis, a disservice and some of those kids getting pushed through and so on and getting up there. That reminds me of the story of Dexter Manley. I mean, he was a phenomenal talent, made it all the way to the NFL and couldn't read. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and and that story of his and how he learned to read as an adult and and so on is so it totally makes sense to of what you're saying. It's and it's a shame. Because I think a lot of those people just used him on the way for his talent, and that was it, and didn't bother to help him. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I think uh, for the most part, schools are doing a better job of identifying, uh, you know, young people with learning disabilities. So um, I don't see that happening a lot anymore. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a maturity thing, man. You know, a lot of these guys just don't grow up. You know, a lot of these guys think, you know, um, a lot of these guys and also the fans think that this is a game. It's not a game. It's a profession. You know, just like an iron worker goes to work, a construction worker, uh, you know, those guys are excellent in their professions. You know, you have to take the same approach, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, National Football League as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, another question we had was, and it's similar to, to the one that you, I think you had thrown something out here the other day on it was, mm-hmm. who's the hardest person you had to play against? Who was one of the toughest guys that you had to play against? 
Yeah, I always tell people Jason Taylor. You know, Jason Taylor was an extremely brilliant football player. You know, um, you know what makes those guys good is that able to expose, you know, the deficiencies you have in your game. You know, they can break you down and, you know, really expose, you know, the things that you probably could have worked on a little more um, that you took for granted. Um, but, yeah, he's an excellent football player. You know, uh, Jason Taylor's the best football player I've ever seen. Now, um, <clears throat> the, the guy – the, the, the best football player I've ever seen um, was Sean Taylor. That guy would have been the you know top five football player of all time, man. I mean, that guy was a, a phenomenal. You know, I, I remember me, I remember, uh, you know, the teams walk out, we were playing the, uh, we were playing the Redskins. I was with the Giants and, uh, you know, the teams are walking out together and Sean Taylor walks by me. I'm like, damn, I didn't see this DN on the scout list. Like, that dude was a safety. (laughs) 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 I thought he was a a DN, man, how big that guy was. I mean, that dude dude was an amazing ass. Yeah, that's a shame, too, what happened to him. Yep. Yeah. That was a shock. Yep, it really is. You know, unfortunately, it was the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a damn shame, you know, damn shame. Yeah. Let's see what else we got here. A couple, uh, you know, somebody wanted to know, uh, I, I don't know, you're uh, probably around the same age as, as I am, maybe a little younger. Mm-hmm. You ever seen the movie North Dallas 40? I'm sure you've heard of this movie. Right? Oh, man, I watched that last week. Okay, so <laughs> thoughts. So, well, well, do you think <laughs> they they wanted to know locker room stories still pretty prevalent in today's game like that? What your thoughts are uh, as far as uh, the debate on pain management and marijuana use? Uh, those are two different things. <laughs> no, I know. Okay. I know. Yeah, I mean, no, no. marijuana is legal in most states now. So, that's right. That's just like drinking a beer now. <laughs> has, has the league made it legal though? No, no. As as yeah. a, as a corporation, no, no. Which I is... don't think it ever will. But really? um, no, the hell no. <laughs> Never. <laughs> the NBA will. <laughs> no. yeah. Well, they stopped yeah. testing this year for it. I think didn't they they? Say... the NBA has no other choice. You yeah. know, they want yeah. everybody. To be yeah. Out. Rasheed Wallace and Damon Stoudemire tried to make that legal 20 years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not too, I'm not too, uh, privy on, you know, how the NFL players of today, you know, mitigate their pain. Um, I mean, I remember, I'm not going to name the team I was on, but I remember, you know, how they have uh, beverage carts, you know, they got the girl coming down the aisle, you know, serving out, you know, drinks on the plane. Mm -hmm. Well, they got a guy that, yeah. You got a cart with pills. <laughs> <laughs> what you want? You want Percocet? What you want? Vicodin? What you want? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was back in the day, man. I like I said, I don't know how it is now, but I mean, right. you know, yeah, they used to keep you pretty medicated back in the day, just so you can get through the get through the week. So um, I'm hopeful that that's not the case anymore. But I mean, that's how it used to be. Well, I mean, that's that's one of those things we were talking about earlier, whether it be about you know physical weight health or cte mm-hmm. or you know how you manage pain or just mental health right yeah yeah there's a whole host of other issues that i don't you know some sometimes you can watch 
you know, someone get hit really hard and think, oh man, they're not going to be able, you know, they'll never be able to walk right, or they're, you know, they're always going to be sore for the rest of their life. But it's a whole other thing to have all these other issues and the long-term effects of painkiller use or, you know, mental health issues that come along with that. That's kind of a, a maybe still overlooked issue that goes on in the league. Is that fair to say? Like I said, I, I could I couldn't uh, comment on how it is in today's league. Um, I don't know enough young players to be able to comment on that. I know it used to be a problem back in the day. I'm hopeful that uh, you know it's it, it's not as prevalent as it was back in the day. You know the uh, pain medication use, but um, I think with studies that uh, you know have shown the um, the ill effects of uh, you know. Uh, you know, um, years and years of using the stuff, um, you know, is going to be, you know, detrimental to the long-term health. I think that um, that the league's doing what they can to kind of, you know, dissuade people for that stuff. So, um, pain is real. I know I struggle with it on a daily basis and, uh, you know, but my biggest thing is the weight loss. You know, I feel if I didn't way as much as I did, I wouldn't be in as much pain. So, you know, that's kind of my cross to bear. But, um, you know, for someone that may not be overweight, but, you know, has an addiction to pain medication, you know, it's that, 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 that's, that's a problem, I believe. So. Did you, did you, when you were playing at all, have any concerns about your weight and so on, or was it just something that you didn't think about because you knew you had to have it for your job, and that was the the mentality that you understood at that particular moment? Yeah, you know, and um, when I was playing, I you know, I, I was never the biggest guy on the team, so uh, it wasn't a concern for me. There's always a few guys bigger than me. Um, you know, we had a guy that was four four oh five on you know one of the teams I played on and another guy was about 375 and you know like I said there's been guys way bigger than me on the team so it wasn't a problem back when I was playing it just you know I'd say over the last 10 years has been just a major problem for me just just uh, the weight gain and you know the the um the difficulty trying to get it off sure because I mean I was so active you know you know you were practicing every day and and like I said, I've never been a huge eater. I'm not going and eating 50 wings. Right. You know, I eat like a normal person, but I, I was, you know, doing stuff every day. I was active. Yeah. yeah. No, I could see yeah. where you wouldn't be concerned with it because of the situation you were in. And it was your job. And then you just, that was what you did. So. No, I mean, I, yeah, I get that. I'm not a big guy by any means, but I do a lot of things like like backpacking and hiking. And, and when you're backpacking and hiking, you know, you're going to have a lot of calories per day and it's not going to be a big deal just because you're so active. And the second that you stop doing that, well, shoot, I remember my first desk job, I gained 10 pounds like within the first two months just because, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I was not active anymore. So I can imagine that for you with an even greater activity level, the, the effect was even more pronounced. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Well, I think uh, we're at the end of our list of questions from listeners. So that's where we're at. Gabriel's Gabriel Gate is the name of the wing place that everybody goes to. 
Oh, is that what it is? I was yeah. worried. Good deal. Yep, it's in uh, it's in Josh. They, they, it's called Allentown, but they call it Josh Allentown now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah, Listen, Gabriel. to go back, I, yep. I wanted Chicago to draft him too, just so you know, because oh, I yeah. thought that guy was a stud. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Hindsight. So. Yeah, there's so many, so many guys. Man, I mean, I would have took uh, Daniel Jones over. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. didn't know who the hell was available, but I mean, yeah. I mean, let, let me say this about Mitch. I would keep Mitch just because, and I and, and people are on me about this all the time because I was such a Mitch uh, critic when they signed him. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know what, Mitch? <clears throat> you know, Mitch will get better as the year goes on. And the biggest thing is you ain't going to have to pay the guy a lot of money. You know? Yeah. So, I, like I said, I said trade Mac, you know, bolster up the defense, get a new defensive coordinator. And, you know, just have, you know, just, just Trent Dilfer the, the, the heck out of Mitch. <laughs> you know? I just say Trent, yes. Trent Dilfer is probably <laughs> the perfect example of this. It's a guy yeah. that, that is not ever going to make anyone's all time quarterback list, but he can make it work. But the difference yeah. is, is that Dilfer had, you know, first of all, someone so obviously I, I'm I'm biased, I'm a homer because I'm an Iowa State guy, but if yeah. they learned how to use David Montgomery better earlier in the season. Cause yes. it, it felt like last year they were learning how to use him better at the end of the season, but it was already too late. And then this year they started repeating the same mistakes they made early last year. Yeah, the mistake is that they don't have a number one back. I mean, the 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 Kansas the uh, the Cleveland Browns are the Cleveland Browns are going to be scary in the future. Um, yeah. They they have a very good football team, and the crazy thing about it, Baker Mayfield is the worst start on the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look at every start. Well, as, I mean, think about it. Yeah, you know, as, Baker Mayfield is so blown up. Yeah. He is the worst starter on the Cleveland Browns, but that's a positive thing, you know, because they have so much talent on the Cleveland Browns. And Kareem Hunt and um, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb make that team go. And, oh, you know, if the Bears yeah. would, would kind of emulate that, you know, by getting, you know, yeah. Montgomery's an excellent number two, but they need they need a Nick Chubb, you know. Yeah. Montgomery is uh, Kareem Hunt. They need a Nick Chubb. So until they get that and, uh, you know, they get – you know, another pass rush threat, and then they get a guy that, you know, that that doesn't give a – doesn't care, you know, you know, just, you know, um, you know, more aggressive on, you know, this defensive play calling. You know, they're going to be in a – they're and obviously, you know, they got to get rid of the McCaskies, but they're going to continue to be in a bind in Chicago until they do that, in my opinion. No, I no, I, I think that's – that's well, first of all, who am I to tell you uh, how to analyze – and break down in, in NFL right. team. I'll take your word for it. I'll do whatever you say. Yeah. Defensive coordinator is our head coach. I'm all for that. We'll get rid of Mac. I'm all for that. Let's trade for Watson. That'd be crazy if they brought Lovey back, huh? As a DC. Uh dude, I was pissed when they fired him. Like yeah. I I mean he was 10 and 6 and they fired him. So yeah. that was but I get it. At some point you need to you need new blood. You need I I wasn't so much mad that they fired him. I was more pissed that they hired Mark Tressman. Yeah, right. I mean, it's been a it's been a dumpster fire of head coaching since they fired Lovey Smith. So yeah, I, so, yep. I got to tell you, Lovey Smith does. Uh, I, I suppose he's not 
uh, coaching anymore. He does have the best Santa Claus beard in, in all of coaching right now. I mean, hey, you think about it, man. Lovey would be tremendous for that defense. They got they got a guy that's going to be arguably better than Erlacher, you yeah. know, yeah. and Roquan Smith. That kid, oh, yeah. future, that kid is a future Ray Lewis, man. He is a stud. And then they got a they got a three technique. They got Eddie Jackson at safety. They got all the pieces that kind of you know kind of duplicate what he did in the Super Bowl team. You know, I would argue yep. that this defense is more talented than that t- that defense back in 06. So I mean, I, I would I would consider bringing him back in the DC and then fire Nagy. You know, at game you know, week six next year, and then let Lovey take over the whole <laughs> take over the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, so That's, I'm so, on board, Marcus. I'm on board. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we can't we we can't talk about Lovey without talking about your alma mater. Okay, yeah. Um, how are you feeling about uh the Brett hire? Yeah, it looks like you know he's gonna do well for it. You know, uh, obviously, you know, <clears throat> I, I like the coaching hires that he's he's making, and um, you know, I, I think Brett just needs to prove that. <clears throat> you know, I think he needs to prove that. Uh, Barry Alvarez wasn't behind his success in Wisconsin. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I was say that was the big thing. Yeah. The thing that chased yeah. him for for the rest of that was was absolutely that. Yeah, because he never he really there. never should have went to Arkansas. He should have he should have just stayed in Wisconsin his, his entire life. But you know, oh well. Yeah, but you but, know, like, yeah. you know, he's gonna have to prove that he can you know coach out of uh, Barry Alvarez's shadow. In my opinion. Brett is, you know, he's an Iowa guy or an Illinois guy. He grew up in Illinois. He went to, to college at Iowa. Yep. Um, so, you know, he understands the Midwest for sure. So I think that's that's got to be, um, you know, a positive for him, at least there. Uh, I was I, I was a little surprised by that hire. I, I don't think it's a bad hire, but I was, I guess, I, I didn't see that hire coming, but uh Man, ever since Tim Beckman, I don't know that I've understood anything that's going on in that that athletic department. So I don't understand what the hell's going on in the state of Illinois. Period, man. It's just, <laughs> I mean, from the Bears to the White Sox to the Cubs <laughs> to, to the IHS, IHSA to everything in Illinois just seems screwed up nowadays. You know, it's just, yeah. That's why I go to Florida every year. <laughs> 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 Oh, I love it. Um, no, it's perfect. Well, this has been great. Yeah, yeah guys. Yeah. yeah. Anytime, yeah, man. Let me know. You want me back on. Yeah, fun. no, absolutely. No, seriously, uh, Marcus, we would have you on every single time. You've been a fantastic guest. Chris, do you have anything else you kind of want to uh, cover with him? He, he's covered way more than I think I, I even w- thought I could ask. So that's amazing. Cool. Glad I, glad I, uh, no. God, I went over your expectations. <laughs> oh, easily, easily, easily. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, I appreciate you guys, and uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, please reach out if uh, you know. Like I said, I'm, I'm just down in Florida, man, just just chilling out. So, and, you know, let me know if you need me on the show again. I'd be happy to to be on with you. Oh, We'd love that. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. No, we we absolutely would. Um, man, I, I'm. Like, I'm just so grateful. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate your your honesty. I appreciate your your considerate thought to all of these things. Um, but man, I know our listeners are just going to enjoy listening to everything that you 
you all, had to all share. three all three listeners make sure you tell all your three of our listeners <laughs> <laughs> all three of you <laughs> that's right you know marcus one of our goals for this podcast is always to try to to just try to help people or um you know we're just a couple dads that like to give out some dad advice so that's kind of what our shtick is awesome and uh i i appreciate you coming on and, and talking about um you know and being open about your your weight and, and the struggles that are because i think the more people that hear things like that the more we we can help people and so on and and on a personal note, um, I'm happy to uh, to help you in any way. And uh, I have a I have a really great um, sports nutritionist here who actually works with uh, Kyvin Gadsden. Okay. He's an Iowa State wrestler, and he's a U.S. Olympian. Mm-hmm. And I would I would love to uh, to to pass your name on, and if, and if you want to reach out to him, I'm sure he'd love to 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 be able to help you. Yeah, I'd like it a lot. If I, you're uh, interested, all right. Yeah. I'll connect with you offline uh, and uh, yeah, perfect. We can that and range that. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I and I appreciate it. Uh, my brother-in-law was super excited because he's a big Buffalo Bills fan, so he was excited to have you on as well. And and I'm just honored. It's it's been a dream of mine. So I to 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 do stuff like this. So I'm very honored that you came on and talked to us. No problem, guys. Anytime. Excellent. Well, again, thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, listeners. This has been Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society. Once again, check us out on the web at thetailgatesociety.com. Check us out on Twitter at strength underscore old. Check out Chris at SciDadSciGrad. Do I have that right? Did I do that backwards? Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Okay. Uh, Marcus, what do you want to plug for social media websites or otherwise? Sure. So uh, you could go to my Twitter. It's Sifu Sullivan. Um, I'm, I'm a big Kung Fu movie guy. So uh, Sifu is the master <laughs> of, the, of the, uh, you know, the Kung Fu school. So Sifu, S-I-F-U Sullivan at, um, at Sifu Sullivan is my Twitter. So um, yeah, my, my DMs are open. You can go in and you know, <clears throat> I may not reply all the time, but I reply, uh, reply most of the time. So, um, yeah, please feel free to reach out to me there. Oh, fantastic. Well, yes. And then you can check me out at, at Tim Johnson MN on Twitter. Please check out all the other Telegate Society podcasts, Culture Check, uh, Sports and Corks, Matinee Baseball, We're Not That Drunk, Drunk dialing bitter units chris what am i missing we have so much great content sports and corks uh we have uh that hawkeye podcast yeah the hawkeye podcast (laughs) you wouldn't be interested in that marcus absolutely not (laughs) but i don't know if you can tell a theme but a lot of our podcasts center around drinking that's that seems to be a theme so yeah a lot of drinking around here well, I mean, if it's based on Iowa, yeah, you know, I can see why. That's right. Especially winter. That's right. Oh, gosh. That's oh, shit. Well, on that note, thanks again for listening to Old Man Strength, and we will catch you next time.
All right, guys, take care. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours, terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest, green bloody murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original song.